What up? I'm Toby Windham, and I'm an actor and a producer, and I'm pushing a blue minivan. This ride is all about the process of the journey, the who, what's, and the whys that have allowed you to get from point A to point B. We gonna ride, we gonna laugh, and we about to be crazy. There's gonna be some knowledge drops, so you better grab them as they fall out. This ride is for the community. I'm picking up all my friends, and we're chatting about the joys, the battles, the fly moments, and the speed bumps on the road to success. So, hey, welcome to the blue minivan. Let's ride. What up, y'all? It's Toby. We in the blue mini. Today, I am excited to be talking to our guest, y'all. I have JoJo T. Gibbs in the blue minivan. JoJo, what up? What's up, Toby? I met you at a birthday party, maybe like three or four years ago, maybe something like that. Maybe even less than that. Yeah, like like probably like three years ago. Yeah, three years ago. And I remember like you just being fly, like mad cool. But uh, let me tell the people. So Jojo T. Gibbs, y'all, I know y'all done probably checked her out on 20s. She's an actor, a stand-up comedian, could have seen her in Good Trouble. Also soon to be released thriller Fresh with the homie uh, Bucky, uh, Sebastian Stan, I think is his name. That's about to be mad cool. Homie, you got your hands in some of everything. Like, how how's, how you feeling right now? How's this moment for you? Oh, God is good. God is so good. I'm, I'm grateful to be working. Um, you know, things got a little touch and go with 2020 and COVID. We were mm. all trying to figure things out, but um, everything's great. I feel like what I'm learning about this industry is unlike anything else I've ever done. First of all, this is the first time I'm actually doing the work that I want to do, you know, mm. rather than just making a means to an end, you know. Um, so I think that there's a little bit of, of course, uh, gleefulness and happiness and gratefulness, but also a little bit of anxiety around like, OK, you here, you know, like don't want to not be here. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Also, just recognizing that unlike like if I were to become an engineer or uh, I don't know if I did marketing for a big company or something like that or HR. You determine, I think, in those type of jobs when you want to leave, kind of, you know, because you just, you know, you apply for another job or you can just stay. And as long as they don't let you go, you're probably there until retirement, you know, Mm. whereas in the industry, it's a constant grind. Like even having gotten 20s, which I'm so grateful for and so blessed to have received the opportunity to um, be a part of that show. You do recognize that, you know, even Fresh Prince of Bel-Air had a last season. Come on last season and you know all these shows you have to always be thinking about what's next even when you in the midst of it yeah you're currently shooting season two of 20s right now right yes we are we are almost done and i'm gonna be so sad oh my gosh this season has been incredible the vibes on set have been amazing everybody's been super high energy so positive We've been coming up with the most amazing moments and the, the writers were incredible. Everything, everything has been great. I'm really excited to see how it all comes together. Uh, what you were talking about before, it, it resonates with me because us as actors, we're constantly trying to evolve and figure out, like, like you said, like Fresh Prince ended and what, 25, 30 years later, he figured out how to get HBO to pay them again to do a, a recap. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, 
how do you evolve as a as an actor as a stand up? What are ways that you figure that out right now? Because I know they're going to continue to evolve. Well, I'm learning honestly. It's a self learning process in a lot of ways. Because you can look at the path and the stepping stones of other people ahead of you, but your path is di- is just automatically going to be different. Nobody in this industry, I, to my understanding, path is the same. So you can't really follow somebody else's blueprint. Yeah, say that. Say that. <laughs> it just won't happen. You know, you just can't do it. So it's a tough one. I think that people maybe don't consider and maybe even I didn't consider was that every other job, even down to like, I was signing people up for gym memberships for Gold's Gym and they took us through like a week long training, like learning how to talk to people, how to upsell, downsell, how to, you know, like get people to come to do it whenever they are pushing back or how to, you know what I'm saying, keep people on the string. And it was so intense. And I was sitting there and think, this is so fucking unnecessary. Like we are selling gym memberships. <laughs> but then you get into the situation and you're like, Dang, they was right. Yeah. They they knew I was going to have to have this little bullet in the chamber to use and stuff like that, you know? Did they teach you how to like, when you about to close, like hit the table and all that type of stuff? (laughs) (laughs) I was taught that. Like I used to do the same thing. It was like, whenever you about to close, like hit the table. And that's like, that's like a signal to people to be like, it's about to go down. It's closed. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I think that's a, uh, that's a thing that's got to be, it's individualistic to each person. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely seen some people, you know what I'm saying, do a little table tap when they yeah. close <laughs> still. It's kind of like the javelin, all right, you know, we, we, we knocked it out. But I guess that's all contingent upon how hard they made you work. I feel you. But yeah, no, you know, so that's what I'm learning in this industry is that uh, it's about Staying grounded, remaining in the same mental and spiritual state that I was in when I was on my way to trying to figure out how to get to the point of, you know, auditions and agents and working in the industry. How do you do that? Because I I, I saw your Instagram and there was a moment that you shared on your Instagram where you're like looking at yourself on a billboard and you were like, yo, this is happening. How do you enjoy that moment? And then simultaneously, well, I guess it's not simultaneous. How do you enjoy that moment and then get back to be like, there's work to do? Because it was flat. Like, I ain't going to even lie. Like, I was just so excited to see that billboard, man. Because y'all, like, 20s is changing for the culture. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, thank you a lot. I um, I was very uh, in awe of that moment because what's crazy, Toby, is I had already hit. It wasn't on the right street, but I had already pictured. <laughs> no, talk about that. What street did you want it on? So, okay, there's this one particular billboard on Sunset that if you're leaving, like, the comedy store is where I do comedy at. It's this one big, like, life-size billboard that sometimes they just put, you know, pretty much one person up there, and it'll be, like, their whole body or their face, and I pictured myself being up there. And you ever, like, have a moment where you picture something in the future happening and you can physically feel the excitement of seeing it or, you know, hearing it. I physically felt that excitement. I maybe had a tequila or two, but still, you know what I'm saying? It just just helps the manifestation. (laughs) It does, you know, and I was driving down Sunset and I saw, I don't know who was up there at the time, but I was like, one day I'm going to be on a billboard and I was like, one day I'm going to be on this billboard. So seeing our, us on the billboards, BET did such an incredible job with the advertising, you know, around the city, like, and all over the country. 
it was surreal. My dad saw it. That was dope to stand on the side of the road and let my dad see my, you know, me up on the billboard and stuff like that. So that's fly. It was crazy. It was crazy. It's just I don't know. You know, like I said, it's a weird space to be in because you also want to you want to manifest more, you know, but it's also like you got to make sure you show gratitude also. Like you can't just be like that bratty ass kid that's like, okay, this is nice, but what else? Right, (laughs) right. You got to accept that moment and then be able to to be like, all right, let's go. I'm enjoying that. I got more. I got more that I could do. And I love that. Before I get into all your moments, because I got a lot. Of <laughs> so 20s, this character Hattie in 20s, I would love to talk about how you have crafted, in my opinion, and you can you can totally tell me if this is not right. I think that you've crafted uh, a character that is cool. She's very complex, seductive, complicated, mm-hmm. everything that makes us human. And I just love what you've done with this character. How did you come about? How did you craft that? Well, thank you. Well, you know, first, shout out to Lena Waithe and her whole team for even bringing the show to fruition. Because I think, you know, starting with with her, it was just, you know, an impulse to make sure that people of uh, her demographic and aesthetic presentation were seen on on screen. You know, times of Hattie. Hattie is a... uh, loosely based character off of Lena's life. She kind of gave me free reign to make Hattie whatever, you know, whatever I saw fit, you know, and it also came, she, Hattie is the, a compilation of directions, you know, being asked to do certain things on set, you know, or I feel like honestly, season one, it was more so just going with the flow, just trying to see what I could, what I could do and, you know, trying to, make a moment. Also, it was my first thing. Homie, you move with such ease on screen. I'm sure you've heard this all the time. Thank you. Yeah, no, I've, I've heard similar similar things and it was hard. You know, I mean, the first day seeing all the setups, the cameras, the lights, I was like, oh God. And doing a project that wasn't mine or wasn't a student film or something like that, or wasn't improv or comedy, having to know every single word was different for me because you know, typically I would be able to stay in the, the range of things, you know, but wasn't nobody like checking for every word. That was challenging and, you know, but I caught on quick and basically it's like been just self-taught learning. <laughs> you are fly. Where, where are you from? I'm from, I was about to ask you the same thing. I'm from Alabama. Alabama. Okay. Okay. North and South Carolina. Okay. So, what part? in Gaffney, South Carolina. Raised pretty much most of my childhood in Hampstead, North Carolina. But I went back and forth. I was staying with my great grandparents in Hampstead, North Carolina, and my mom and dad lived in Gaffney, South Carolina. Did that part of your upbringing cultivate your swag? Because you so like just just so people know, like you just I, I feel <laughs> cool hanging with you right now, and you do. You you have a certain uh, swag that is just it's contagious. Like did did growing up in the South give to that? Probably. I, I grew up around some cool people. Like my stepdad was a cool dude. His his nickname is literally Silk because he's smooth. <laughs> you know that's cold right now. <laughs> right. Like his nickname is Silk. I still call him that to this day. Silk. That's what his name on my phone. My grandfather. My grandfather was smooth. He was the type of cat that <laughs> he wasn't the best father or grandfather. He wasn't good with kids. But when you became an adult, 
And all the adults loved him. And I just never understood it as a kid. Like, why everybody like you? Ugh. He used to eat all the all the little Debbie cakes and want to take over the TV. And, you know, I just be like, you're not a granddaddy. You don't never have no money to give us. You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, but in terms of a friend, he was such a cool friend. He was anytime I saw him amongst people, they were laughing. Yeah. And then the women in my life, my great grandma, cool, smooth. I'm talking about. I just some. You ever look back on? You from Alabama? Your family probably is the same type of people. Up when the sun rise, go to bed later. You know what I'm saying? Like you not you sleep about six hours a day. You know at max. And when you up, you work. And so that was my great grandparents. Every day, my grandma got dressed. Okay, like not sweatpants and a little raggedy t-shirt or nothing like that. Sometimes my clothes you got to iron. Yeah, she done hung up. You know she ironing my granddaddy clothes like. She cooked breakfast, lunch, and dinner every yeah. day. I wouldn't believe it if I hadn't lived through watching her do it because I think, where did you get the energy? <laughs> you know, where did you get the energy each day to do this? She was the smoothest. She would get away with saying so much funny stuff. And as a kid, I was like, Grandma going in on these people. But people <laughs> laughed and never got mad at her for it. It was always like, beneath the crazy, beneath the you know, so. Beneath the love that. Shout out to grandma. Yeah, shout out my great grandma. She was the literally the coolest person I knew just because, you know, you, you can tell if an adult is cool by how other adults react to them. Mm-hmm. What did the, the stand-up comedy kick in it? Was that something you was just trying and it was like, yo, I'm good at this? How did that manifest itself into your uh, journey? Yeah, I came to LA for my birthday one year and I told my best friend I wanted to try stand up. And I wasn't serious. Like, but she she was like, All right, we're gonna find you somewhere to do it. And we went to two places. One one of the places said, Oh, we don't do that open mic anymore. The second place we went to, they were like, Oh, we got another event going on here tonight. And I was like, All right, damn, we can stop. I'm here on vacation. We ain't gotta keep looking for it. I'm terrified, low key. We ain't got to keep looking for somewhere for me to do this. She's like, no, no, no. She's on her phone Googling. She's like, I'm going to find one more place. We end up at the comedy store. We get to the comedy store. In West Hollywood? Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, basically it's packed. I mean, packed, no room. We in the back. They like, yeah, you can sign up. And I, I noticed that like, yeah, we signed up, put my name in the hat. But you could tell they're picking people that they know. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, right, you can right. tell no random names being picked so i'm like feeling safe i'm like i ain't gonna get picked clearly so it's all good but i ain't gotta punk out at the same time so <laughs> they start doing this thing called uh comedy bingo to help people not in the bucket to get chose so this is another way for you to get chose so all my friends that were with me start playing this comedy bingo on my behalf and my friend's ex wins. And when I tell you, my heart dropped to my feet. I was like, no, this doing it. Like, I couldn't believe he had actually won. And so me and another guy got to go up. They were like, well, y'all got to do a joke off. The guy went first. He told some corny joke. You know, it didn't hit. And when it got to me, I was like, well, I don't have one joke, but um, it's my birthday. So, and they were like, we want her. We want her. And... <laughs> And he was like, all right, here you go. You got five minutes. And I started my set and I had an amazing time. I got a ton of laughs. 
It was wow. just crazy. Like people were loving me. Like when I came off stage, white girls was high fiving me and shit. I was just like, <laughs> yes, white women. <laughs> Listen, high fives is looking all just happy for me and shit. And I was just like, this is crazy, you know. Like, and I love the recip the, the reciprocation of energy from the crowd. Yeah, I was just like, I like this, and so I moved back and kept doing it. Two part question: Have you ever bombed, and what? Does that give you as an artist? And I know that you've succeeded. Does succeeding in this realm give you anything also? Like, is there something to learn from that in, in uh, stand-up comedy? Oh, okay. Well, I don't think I've quite succeeded yet, according to, you know, some people we won't name. But I ain't getting paid, paid to do stand-up comedy yet. And to a lot of people, that is what constitutes succeeding in a particular mm -hmm. realm. And in my personal opinion, yes, as well. I think that I've like done well in stand-up comedy once I establish a rhythm in it. Mm, it ain't even okay. about money. It's more about the rhythm of doing it, which I had. And then I got into acting and that broke that up. And then acting, you know, finished. We finished with promotion for 20s. And then COVID happened. I think Eddie Murphy is talking about that a little bit. That's why he's not doing stand-up right now. He was like, I'm not in rhythm. So I feel you. Yeah. It's like, I, I used to have this job where I had to knock on doors to try to get people to sign up for solar panels. And the first door was always the hardest door to knock on. Just for whatever reason, it's just a mental block of like getting started. But then once you get a one knocked on, it's like you knock it out, knock it out. So that's really what it is, is getting back into the rhythm of it. And then I feel like I'll have succeeded in comedy. And then what was the question? Have you ever bombed? And what do you learn from that? So I wouldn't say I bombed. What I did was I called myself trying not to be nervous, right? And so rather than embrace the butterflies, I completely kind of like shooed them away. I was like, you do this shit all the time. You know, you're, it was at the point where I was in the rhythm of doing it. I felt very confident in myself. I didn't really prepare before uh, every show. I usually at least go down a list of these are my topics, you know, that show. I was just like, all right, I'm going to just do whatever I want. I ended up doing well, but I didn't do the best I could have done because I didn't have a plan. Mm. Also, I didn't consider it. You know, it, I didn't take it seriously. So it ended up being very like stale. Like when I walked off, I wasn't satisfied. Mm. What resonates with me is that, because I, I think this is something that we don't, we don't talk about often. It's like how the nerves and the butterflies, they feed us. It, uh, it, it, it makes us prepare. It makes us plan. There was a struggle that I had with just that and trying to pretend like trying to have full confidence being like you've mm -hmm. done this before you know you in this and i'm at a point now where it's like fake it till you make it and also i get nervous every time and i'm not afraid to talk about it you know what i'm saying and it's not nerves of like am i gonna fail because i'm ready for that it's nerves of like i want to do well and so yeah. i need to prepare myself so i yeah. feel you to jump into this film, I guess TV and film to you, I, I, I feel that they are different beasts. What's your mm -hmm. take on that? And how did you prepare for this thriller? Like thrillers are like, like it's a scary movie. It's like a different genre than comedy. Yeah. What'd that feel like to you? Yeah. You know, I will say in the beginning, because we, we pretty much shot the film pretty chronologically. So in the beginning, there are comedic moments, but then there's that significant like key turn change in energy you know what i'm saying that a, a thriller has you know you think everything is good and it's cool and then he's like 
you know what I'm saying? It's like it changes, you know? So that's what I got have fun playing with Fresh, being the real world. And then it was my first time doing a project where I was like, I, I feel like I'm in a different world, you know? Like this world, but in a situation and circumstance that I pray to God, I would never, ever be in in real life. Oh, I feel you. Yeah, yeah. There was a scene where we're running through a field and I'm just like, this would never. <laughs> <laughs> this ain't okay. This is not okay in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was dope. It was different though, because I think doing television, it's rigorous. You know, like if I had to do like an ABC level, one hour, 20 episode, you know, Grey's Anatomy style shooting. Like that's a lot, you know, especially if you are Meredith Grey, you know. If you, right, right, right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I am on set most of the time. It's about keeping up with your lines and keeping up with my daily life. At this point, I'm realizing I should probably enlist at least a housekeeper. Because I prefer to do my own cleaning. And so that's what I'm trying to figure out right there is when you're transitioning into needing a little help, but being like, but nah, I got it. You know what I'm saying? I like, feel like, you. No, get the help, homie. Like, get it. <laughs> you know that your schedule crazy. I'm totally in that same space. And yeah. we had a moment where we had to be like, I know that I can do this, but do we need a nanny? And finally, we were like, you know what? Yes, we are busy. And yeah. like we work what people don't understand. We work 24 hours. You know what I'm saying? Like just right. when you're, and I, I, I consider this when I'm thinking about my role, I'm working. You know what I'm saying? When I'm washing dishes and I'm thinking about lines, that's work. Right. It is. It is. And I'm realizing too that, you know, mental work is sometimes more strenuous than physical work. You know, yes. You know, it's just way more draining to the body than physical labor is. And for me, I could do physical labor all day. Well, you know, I, I don't want to, you know what I'm saying? But, and get off and still feel like I got energy to do some things. But sometimes you get off work, you get offset from having to channel in and channel out and, you know, also be, you know, I like to keep a certain type of energy on set when I'm there, you know, so I'm talking to people and chatting up, we laughing, having a good time because I feel like it helps with the overall production of everything. If people want to be there from the cameraman to the sound person to the director, everything is more fluid and flowy, then we're going to create better content because ain't nobody passing on negative energy, which I feel like in this type of environment can be oh, we can bounce so fast. Like, you know, like one little look or one little misinterpretation can just spread, you know? You're speaking about leadership and you need leaders like that on a set that's like able to control the energy. If there's a whole bunch of people walking around with your energy, that's a cool set already. And I know with me, my thing is like, I'm smiling. I want to make sure that we're positive. And everybody got their different process. Like there may be, you know, if you're working on a, thriller set. You know what I'm saying? Like what you bring to that one may be different than what you're bringing to twenties because y'all dealing with different things. Like you got to get prepared to run through the field. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) What does it feel like? And I consider you a part of uh, a legacy. You are uh, a queer person in this moment of a lot of great stuff happening. As far as Lena Waithe, Billy Porter, Pose, twenties, Coleman Domingo, Jojo T. Gibbs, you know what I'm saying? Like you are part of that wave that's happening. What does that feel like? Do you feel anything about that? Is it something that you're going to look back and be like, 
this shit was dope. You know, I don't put a lot of weight on it. I think because I'm such in a different place in my life now in terms of where I am with my own identity and who I am. This type of representation is so significant because I remember when I was scouring for it, you know, looking for somebody like me who was also feeling the way I was feeling. I think representation is important and I think that it helps to people for people not to feel so alone or mm. just inadequate in a lot of ways because of their loneliness and how they're feeling because they don't know. You know, you often sometimes feel like maybe if I'm the only individual that feels this way, is there something wrong with me? You know, that type of thing. So I think that being able to see, you know, Billy Porter and myself and individuals who represent themselves as individuals to the fullest extent of whatever that may be beyond even beyond sexuality you know i think that that's dope because we're just humans out here trying to figure it out yes you know oftentimes you can just feel like you're the only one but you know there's something so fly about how you put that where it's like you know i'm past that and that's like a it feels freeing to me to even hear you say that. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. that's evolution. And I, I totally, I dig that. That's a gem right there to be able to, mm-hmm. to move into that space. What table did you sit at at lunchtime during high school? <laughs> like what was like the table that you were like, this is a table I, I sit at to eat lunch. So I went to two different high schools. The first high school I sat with my homegirls. I had, I've always had like a big group of girl friends. Um, like, high school, college, but always that one special friend. And you know, that that one friend that you tight with, but y'all amongst a big group. Um, and in that group, it was athletes. You know, we had the the pretty girl, the smart girl, the girl that with the smart mouth that you know, <laughs> talks shit to everybody. My group was pretty diverse, I would say. And then I moved to a new high school and that was the first time in my life where I was very particular about what table I was sitting with at lunch because they were so nice, Toby. They were so nice. But you know it's a setup when you get to a new high school in the middle of the year. The, the people that want you to sit with them are not the cool kids. They just right? not. <laughs> they just not. If you, the kid that stands up and is like, come sit with us. <laughs> wow. Why do like you, you just blew it for me, dog. You just blew the whole thing. I was going to linger around until I made my way to the <laughs> Now you claiming me. You are making a decision for me. Because how can I reject you? How yeah. can I be like, nah, nah. And clearly I ain't got nowhere to sit. <laughs> you talking you about know? my life. Everybody was like, come over here. And I was like, damn, I got to go to the theater table. Damn, I got to no. go to the golf table. Damn, I got to go to the yeah. athlete table. Like, that was me. <laughs> Man, the, the, guy, the people that wanted me to sit with them were nice. But they weren't athletes. They weren't the smart kids. They were, they were just there. And I was like, Nah, next year I got to get somewhere else. And so the next year I ended up playing basketball and I was at the athlete table. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I got one more question. Then we're going to jump into this freestyle. Um, I read that you opened for Dave Chappelle. Homie, you have to talk about what the hell that feels like before you went on and when you came off. Please holler at me about that. So I have to clear this up. It's so funny. I just tell I just told Donnell Rollins this story recently, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, Donnell, him and Dave Chappelle are really close. Ashley man, Ashley homie. Right. <laughs> Ashley Ashley Larry. Ashley Larry. 
you hang with him? That's so fly. <laughs> yeah, I met him. I met him recently. I was telling him that uh, I told my agent when I first met my agent that I opened up for Dave Chappelle. So what happened was... <laughs> Wait a minute. This ain't true? I love this. No, it is. Oh, okay, okay. So what happened was I was performing at the comedy store, right? And I went up and I performed. And then I came off. And then Dave Chappelle went up. And he performed. So I told my agent one time, technically, I opened up for Dave Chappelle. The only thing is he popped up to perform. Yo. He nobody knew he was coming. So I didn't know he was performing. You know what I'm saying? But I was like, shit, technically. Because I didn't even think it. Honestly, another comic tapped me and was like, man, technically, you just opened up for Dave Chappelle. And I was like, damn, technically, I did. But I was just... <laughs> You know, gassing my agent, you know, sales pitching, you know, it was like, you know, technically I opened up a day Chappelle and they put it in my, in my announcement and I read, okay, so I do have to double check the announcement before I sent out, but I just scanned it and just was like, send that, send that bitch out. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm ready to get this announcement popping. I should have really detailed, like, read it. And since then, I have corrected it because... Do not change that, because technically you opened up for Dave Chappelle. And what you just did, JoJo, you was like, I was selling it. You pitched it. Like, what you just did was exactly what you learned. You you pitched it. It, it sold. Right. And then you hit the table. You was like, I opened for Dave Chappelle. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but yeah, no, when that when that got put in uh, my deadline announcement, so many people hit me up. I ain't know you opened up for Dave Chappelle. I was like, yeah, you know. Do not change that. That is that needs to follow you for the rest of your that is fly. Because that's how this stuff happens. Like that's that's your Jamie Foxx entrance. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that's your that is so fly. Like I love that. You saying the same thing Donnell said. Donnell said, how many niggas you know lie on their resume? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is that type of thing. Like, and technically, I'm not lying. You're right. You're not. I, I dig that. <laughs> Yo, I have enjoyed this conversation, my friend. Uh, We've had to jump in this freestyle, homie. I'm going to crank the beat. Blue Mini. Totally. I'm in the flow. Let go. Let go. Totally, I'm in it flow with Jojo T. Gibbs. I keep that barbecue that gets up on your ribs. Best believe I bring the pepper. I'm the pig. Yeah. Hey. Go, Jojo. Go, Jojo. Go, Jojo. Hey. We on this show with the blue minivan. Doing our thing. We gonna make it, man. Yeah. I don't usually freestyle, but I'm gonna do it today. I'm not going to ride the beat. I'm going to do it like Sway. <laughs> Five fingers. Toby, he got me doing a freestyle. I don't know what I'm doing this thing, girl. I'm going to get my dog. She's going to go for a walk. <laughs> we just had a really great dope talk. <laughs> hey, yo, that's the blue mini. <laughs> <laughs> yo, that's fly, homie. I appreciate that's you. All I got. Yo, that's fly. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to drop that, man. And uh, I just, I appreciate you. Thank you for give me, giving me this moment. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me. This was great. I'm inspired. I need to do a podcast too. I've been thinking about it, but. You really know. do. Like, I would listen. I'm going to tune in. And I've, like, I just, 
I, I just, I follow anything you do, JoJo. So keep doing your thing. Thank you, Toby. Continue to enjoy shooting. Keep doing your thing, man. And I, I can't wait to, I'm enjoying your glow up, my friend. Same, buddy. I will see you. I will see you soon. We on our way. All right. It's on. Holla. Holla.